0: Let's pray and ask God's blessing on our uh, brief time in his word. Let's pray. Father, we echo uh, the words of the songs that we've uh, sang. We are thankful that if we were to search the ways in which you have been good and faithful to your people, we will spend eternity to do so. We thank you for your word and for one another. We thank you for being present with us even here this hour. And I ask that as we read this simple but beautiful passage from your word, that you would once again open ears and open eyes and open hearts, that we would see and feast upon the wonderful things in your law. Would you do this for your glory, your honor, in Christ's name, amen. So this is a homily, which means uh, it's going to be a short a shortened time in the Word, and uh, we're going to look at, at one, uh, one verse, one verse from the book of Hebrews, and it's Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll look at uh, verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that, not, that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Thanksgiving is a natural time in the calendar uh, where we pause to give thanks. And it forces us to do what we might otherwise not do or have a hard time doing. And so we're going to take the time to see and to celebrate. And it's fitting to think about this as believers uh, with a redemptive overtone. And so the first thing I want us to think about is uh, there are blessings that comes with gratitude. Robert Emmons is a professor of psychology at the University of California at Davis, and he spent the last decade researching gratitude. And he says it positively affects our physical, psychological, and relational health. He says that, that grateful people sleep better. When compared to their counterparts who run the list of all the things that they've not yet done, those of us who can learn to savor what we have done, we tend to sleep better at night. Grateful people, according to some of his studies, are also healthier. Let's say you want to lose 20 pounds. A person who practices gratitude might see the scale move one pound. And for that, they're thankful. But the person who does not practice gratitude sees that same one pound and all they see is the 19 other pounds they've yet to lose. That in a recent study of 2,000 people, those who practice gratitude live longer. That there was a 2006 study of Vietnam vets who suffered with post-traumatic stress syndrome And those who learn to practice gratitude, their stress lowered. That married couples who have this five-to-one ratio of giving thanks to one another for small things, and if that ratio is five instances of gratitude or thankfulness for every one critique, then that couple Tends to stay married longer and they thrive in their relationship. That it's a blessing emotionally, psychologically, physically. And we believe that science is catching up to what the scriptures already command. That if you read the Psalm, Psalm 79, we your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you, O God, forever. Psalm 86, 12, I give thanks to you, O Lord, with my whole heart, I will glorify your name. Psalm 92, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. Psalm 97, rejoice in the Lord, O righteous ones, and give thanks to his holy name. So we should not be surprised that let us be grateful is embedded right here in Hebrews chapter 12. That i think we should be settled on this that if gratitude is a blessing in earthly terms how much more is the practice of gratitude not only a command in scripture but how much more is that a blessing for our souls it's appropriate to have a service like tonight where our desire is not necessarily to come and to ask, but it's to stop and to say, Lord, if you do nothing else tomorrow, you've been good to me today. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know this very moment, this hour, up until this point, our God and our King has been good to us. And it's fitting to slow down and to quiet the inner cynic to fall before our King and say, thank you. That's what we're gonna do. The next thing I want us to think about is that while there are many of us who can do this with an upright heart, we can express gratitude that this season of the year can also be difficult for some. While Thanksgiving naturally triggers gratitude for many For some, it's quite the opposite. For some, Thanksgiving brings a sense of sadness and pain. Nicholas Walterstorff, who wrote a book entitled The Lament of a Son, he lost his son uh, at the age of 25 um, in a hiking accident. And his son died in June, and he's writing around and about the holidays and, and what losing a son mid-year, how that has just changed holidays. And this is what he writes. An image haunts me. I'm proceeding across a battlefield. My own father is now deceased and I am next in line to keep watch on my family. I look back and one of those I was charged to protect has fallen. The worst days are now holidays. Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, Pentecost, birthdays, days meant as festivals of happiness and joy are now days of tears. The gap is too great between the day and the heart. Innocent questions make me wince. Will the family all be home for Christmas? What am I to say? Yes, I say, we'll all be home. Sometimes I explain that one will not be there, and sometimes I don't. He's saying that the holidays, for many they bring joy and excitement and gratitude, but it's possible to be baptized with suffering and loss. And when the holidays come... While everyone else is feasting, it's sad, and it's lonely, and it's hard. And I've talked to some of you. I've met with at least two people in this room right now. And some of you are thinking about a job loss. And you enter into the holidays wondering, will we have enough to make ends meet. And another of you just found out that there's going to be reshuffling at your job. And you're wondering, how will you take care of your wife and your children? And some of you in the room are more melancholy. Some of us in the room are so busy and active that we don't take time to stop and smell the roses. Whatever the case, if gratitude is a blessing to the soul, then ingratitude can be a cancer to the soul. There's something called a lasado ratio, and it measures the amount of nagging in a couple. If the ratio is one-to-one, where for every good thing you utter to one another, there's also a complaint against one another and a lack of appreciation with one another, Your marriage is in trouble. That ungratefulness can harm our mental health, our physical health. Ungratefulness can harm our relationships. And if gratitude is a blessing, then I want to make the case to you that ingratitude is a mark of the curse. In Romans 1 when Paul is describing the wrath of God upon the unrighteous? Listen to what Paul says. The wrath of God is revealed upon those who suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown them. His invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have clearly been seen ever since he created the world. And listen closely. And they have no excuse. And although they knew God, they did not honor God or give thanks to him. And so they became futile in their thinking and God gave them up. Have you ever thought about why ingratitude shows up there? As a mark of the rebellion of our sinful hearts, one of the marks of that is the fact that we don't honor and we are not. Thankful people It's not just damaging To our minds And to our bodies And to Our relationships Paul says in Romans 1 In gratitude to your king Is damaging to your soul Now I know this all seems Disjointed and disconnected But the last thing I want us to think about is what is a believer's ultimate source of gratitude? This seems disconnected. The words in our passage, let us be grateful. Don't look at the rest of it yet. I want you to pay attention to who is hearing these words. These words fall on the ears of a church that is losing everything. They've endured one persecution under Claudius and now a second string of persecutions from Nero that we think that Paul is deceased by now. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 23, tells us that Timothy has been just released from prison. Hebrews 10, 32, it says, recall the former days when you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle With sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, you even accepted the plundering of your property. Hebrews 13.3, remember those in prison as though you are in prison with them, those mistreated, since you are also in the body. In other words, the people who originally received this letter were living in persecuted times. They had lost family members, lost possessions, lost homes, lost property, lost friends. That their entire world is being turned upside down. One, because they're Jewish, where Roman citizenship was the highest thing to attain. And secondly, they were Christian where emperor worship and polytheism was rampant. This early church had two marks on their back, losing everything, and then, the, and then the author drops this bombshell on them. You can still be grateful. In the midst of losing family and friends and homes and freedoms, in the face of losing businesses and money, that if you are in Jesus, you can still be grateful, though you lose every single thing that seems most valuable to you. And the question is, what is it? I would, have, I would pay to be in the room to hear the first person read that sentence, let us be grateful And I think a persecuted church, they would tune in for what? For what? Tell me, for what? What can I be grateful for? And then the author of Hebrews says it right in our passage for receiving a kingdom that can never be shaken. Amen. For never, it will never be shaken. You have come to Mount Zion. You have come to Jesus, the only mediator for your soul. You have come to the new Jerusalem. You have come, and it's not just in the future. He says you have come as if in your faith in Christ, this is already your reality. It is yours. And therefore, though the earth gives way, though you lose every single thing, you have come to the King of Kings, and his kingdom will reign, and it will rule forever. And when it, everything shakes and everything teeters, he says, You're safe now and forever. And he says, That is the source of our gratefulness. You have a home whose builder and maker is God. You know the precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You've come into his kingdom. He knows you as son and daughter. He has pledged himself to never leave you nor forsake you. And one day his kingdom will come in its fullness and it will shake everything that's shaking you right now. And the author of Hebrews says, and you'll stand. And you'll stand. Therefore, we, right here, right now, can be thankful. Whether the cancer is here or the cancer is not. Whether the job is here or the job is not, we can be thankful because through Jesus Christ, your Father is yours, and he reigns, and he rules, and he is coming to get you. Amen? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, uh, we do pause and give you thanks. Father, we're thankful for food on the table. We're thankful for children. We're thankful for love. We're thankful for resources. We're thankful for life and for breath. We're thankful for homes. But Jesus is also in our ear. He says, what good is it for a man to gain all of these things and to forfeit his soul? He is reminding us that that which is most precious, most beautiful, most prized, most valuable, most stable, most secure is you. And so, Father, help us to be people who can live within that tension. May it be so for Jesus' sake. Amen.